Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to Praise Him in the morning. 
Take our Bibles this evening, turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. To be honest with you, I've tried to get away from this message, but the Lord will not let me get away from it. Brother Jake is in the room with me this week, and I've been praying and, and seeking what the Lord wanted me to say and what the message the Lord wanted me to give, and I've tried probably four or five different times to get away from this message, but I believe this is what the Lord wants us to talk about tonight, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. The Bible says in verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are made of things which do appear, the things which are not seen were not were seen were not made of things which do appear. And then it goes on to talk about Abel in verse number four and Enoch in verse number five. And then he comes down to verse number six. But without faith, it is, everybody say it with me, impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is this thing? We talked last night about the one thing that God said to his disciples. If, you, if I could teach you one thing, his disciples said, can you teach us how to pray? With the help of God tonight, I want to preach to you about the partner of prayer and that is faith. And God said, if there is one thing, and through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God had him put it down, it is impossible to please God without faith. He didn't say it's improbable. He didn't say that maybe it wouldn't happen. He said it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, I've read some staggering statements in the word of God. I've read some statements in the word of God. I mean, the love of money is the root of all evil. I thought, Lord, is that really the case? Is the love of money really the root of all evil? And God said, yes, it is the root of all evil. I read in the Bible how the wicked will be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And I'm staggered at that and say, man, all the nations that forget God. And he says, all. But what a powerful statement. He did not say without preaching it is impossible to please me. He did not say, well, even without praying that it is impossible to please him. And we spent much emphasis on prayer last night. He did not say without a church building you could not please him. He did not say by not being in the ministry you could not please him. He did not say by not being on a bus route that you could not please him. He did not say if you do not teach a Sunday school class or are a missionary or an evangelist or sing in the choir, you cannot please him. But if there is one thing, he said, if you do not have this, you cannot please me. By the way, faith is the only thing that God ever staggered at and said, wow. It's the only thing he ever said that about. When the, woman, when the, man, the man who was a centurion came to him and he said, I have a man underneath me that is sick. 
He said, and Jesus said, sure. He said, I'll come to where you are. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, Jesus, you don't even have to come where he is. He said, I am a man under authority. And he said, I say to a soldier, you go here and you go there and they do it. He said, Jesus, all you have to do is speak the word and it's done. Jesus backed up and said, whoa, whoa, I have not seen faith, not in all of Israel have I seen that kind of faith. When Bartimaeus cried out on the, on the road there beside the road and Jesus, he cried out to Jesus, oh, thou son of David, please heal us. And, and they cried the more. And the Bible says that by faith he called out to Jesus. And the Bible says that he stood still and he went over to where he was. I preached a sermon called, I'm working on a sermon called The Day the Sun Stood Still. And the only thing that caused the son of God to stop dead in his tracks was the faith of a man that said, hey, I believe you enough that I'm going to call out for you to save me and heal me. It's the only thing God ever said he staggered at. Faith. Say, Brother Allen, what is faith? The Bible describes faith as this. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. In my family, we have a rather large family. One of my aunts, my mother has three children. One of my aunts has 11 children. She's in heaven now. She went to heaven back in November. She has 11 children. Many of my cousins and her 11 children, I believe she had 17 or actually 20 by the time she passed away. She had 20 grandchildren. And we all get together at Christmas time, all of our families, and my grandparents had eight children. And we all get together, and many times we have that Thanksgiving meal, and and I don't know if y'all have Thanksgiving here, we have Thanksgiving there, and we have Christmas dinner here, and we all get together, and we have one big meal, but a lot of times, if you're not careful and you don't pay attention to that meal, you're going to miss out on some things. And there are times where I've been at the end of that line, I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm on the tail end of the grandchildren, actually, now I'm sort of in the middle of the grandchildren, And if I'm not careful, by the time I got to the front of that line, there was a turkey to start with. And by the time I get up there, all it is is turkey gravy and bones. And by the time I get up there, there were mashed potatoes that were up there. And by the time I get up there, it's just sort of an empty tin where mashed potatoes used to be. You say, what that, what's that turkey gravy? That turkey gravy, those turkey bones are the substance of things I was hoping for. <laughs> that tin that was empty, that mashed potatoes, <laughs> are the evidence of things I was never going to see. And the Bible says that is what faith is. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that have not been seen. I've got three statements for you here tonight. Faith, number one, sees the invisible. Faith helps you see the invisible. You see, the scripture tells us here that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And God said this. He said, there's going to there's gonna come a time in your life where you've got to make a decision and you've got to understand that the things that you see were made of things that do not appear. And that is what our faith is. It teaches us that there are things in this world that we cannot see, but there is a God in heaven that's able to do things that we cannot see. The scripture tells us in, in uh, Psalm chapter number 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. It says day unto day it uttereth speech and night unto night it uttereth knowledge and so there is no language or tongue where they are not heard. You say, what does that mean, Brother Allen? This whole entire universe is to point us to one thing, to faith that there is a God in heaven. The Bible says he set the stars in their course. And every 365 and one-fourth day, what this universe screams to us is that there is a God in heaven. It says he set them in their course, and we rotate around the earth, and we've never collided with another planet, and yet we cannot see the forces that keep us in our course. It ought to say to us that there is a God in heaven. It helps us to see the unseen hand of God. See, faith helps us see the invisible. I've met many atheists that say, well, if I, I'll believe God when I see him. My response is, I'll believe you have a brain when I see it. And they think they're so smart sometimes and they get Christians, well, you, I've never seen God, you can't put God in a test tube. And I say to them, okay, you claim that you don't believe things you cannot see. Have you ever seen gravity? And here's what they say, Pastor. Well, I've never seen gravity, but when I get out of bed in the morning, I sure can't tell he's there. And you know what we say as Christians? Yes, I've never seen God, but every time I fall on my knees and get out of my bed, I can say to you that there is a God. Well, we can't see him, but we, but we sure do feel his effects, don't we? I've never seen gravity one time, never measured gravity, but I can tell you this, and I've never seen God, but I feel his effects every day on my life. When I look at the lives that he's changed, when I look at how he's changed my own life, it says to me, there is a God in heaven, and it increases my faith. Do you understand that if we were a little bit closer to the sun, we would fry like bacon? Do you understand if we were a little bit farther away from the sun, we would die of, of hypothermia? Do you understand if the moon were a little bit farther away from us, we'd have no light during the night and we'd have no tide coming in and out, but if the moon were any closer to us, we would have tidal waves that would cause worldwide floods? Do you understand that your heart will beat if you're 70 years old, your heart has beat almost three billion times and never took a day off. And you never have to think about it. You never have to get recharged. You never have to, hey, what does that say? That says there is a God that is working in my life. Faith helps us to see that which is invisible. You see, there was a man one day whose name was Noah. And God said to Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And he said, God, what's an ark? And he said, well, it's a boat. And he said, well, what's a boat? And God says it floats on water and this water's on the ground. He said, what's that all about? 
God said, well, Noah, I'm going to send rain from the sky. And Noah said, what's rain? And God said, well, it's little ice pellets that come out of the sky. And God said, what are you going to do with that? He says, I'm going to flood the earth by water. Do you understand Noah had never seen rain? Do you understand as far as we know, the earth, the Bible says, was, all, was watered by a mist? Do you understand that he had never built a boat as far as we know? Do you understand God had to tell him the exact dimensions? Do you understand that as far as we know, he had never, like Adam, communicated with animals and knew how to take care of them? But the Bible tells us in verse number six that by faith Noah built an ark and being warned of God as things not yet seen, he had never seen them, but because he obeyed God by faith, he saw the invisible. The Bible says he saved his family by faith. He saw that which was invisible. Do you understand that when the Lord told Abraham, I want you to get out of the land of Uz and I've got a land for you whose builder and maker is God. He had never seen that city. Do you understand when David, when David uh, 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 killed Goliath there that day, and many people wonder how in the world could he stand with a giant? How in the world does he go against a man that is estimated 9.6 feet tall? How do you go against a man like that? I believe this. I believe David was not looking at Goliath. David was looking at the unseen God that was so much bigger than Goliath, that was so much stronger than Goliath, that was so much skilled at war than Goliath. David for defeating Goliath, I believe, because he believed by faith and he saw him who was invisible. Joseph, do you imagine Joseph? He's in Egypt and Joseph is saying, he gave a commandment to them in chapter 50 and, verse, and, and in chapter 49 of Genesis. He said, fellas, God promised us by faith that we would go into the land that was flowing with milk and honey. He had never seen it as far as we knew. And other than that land that he was going, but God had promised them, excuse me, that he was going to return to that land. But they were in Egypt. And God said, no, you're going to return. So here's what Joseph said. Joseph said, hey, when you return to Canaan's land, I want you to take up my bones, put them in a box, and carry me into Canaan land with you. He said, Brother Allen, he, was, he, he would have never known if they would have made it to Canaan land or not. He would have never known if God, hey, if this God that he had served all these years, was he going to be able to get us back to Canaan land? But by faith, he said, when I die, you put those bones in a box because I believe that this land that I may never see again, that God will bring you there into the promised land. Moses, the Bible says, when he came up against Pharaoh in verse number 27 of this chapter, it says he didn't, he didn't get scared to stand before Pharaoh and say, I'm following God. The Bible says he believed as seeing him who is invisible. You see, faith sees that which is invisible. And faith does not say, God does not come to us and say, hey, if you believe it, then you will see it. Job said this. He said, I believe it with my heart. Now I will see it with my eyes. How could a man say, as Job said in Job chapter number 14, he asked God a question. He said, if a man dies, shall he live again? And then he answered him in chapter 19, and I believe it was verse 19, he said, 
Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that in that latter day, he shall stand by me. And he said later in, the, in, in the Job, he said, though the worms will eat this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. What was he saying? He's saying, I see something invisible. And you and I in our lives tonight, there's many of us that sit around and say, I just can't see it. Oh, can I tell you this? Would you allow the God of heaven to allow you to see some things that you never saw before? You see, faith sees the invisible. Number two, faith believes the impossible. Faith not only will help us to see the invisible, but faith believes the impossible. I wrote a, we wrote a song years ago about Peter. You understand that when Peter said, Jesus bid me walk on water, nobody had ever walked on water before. You know why? Because walking on water is impossible. It's impossible to walk on water. Nobody has ever to that point in all of the scripture that we can read has ever walked on water. It is impossible. But Peter said, Lord, I've got some faith. And if you'll bid me come, I'll walk on that water. And can I tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, tonight? Can I tell you that Peter really didn't walk on the water? Peter walked on the word. Because once Jesus said, Peter, get out of that boat and walk on this water, that water might as well have become cement because it was getting walked on that day. And when Jesus speaks something and when Jesus commands something, it doesn't matter if it seems that it is impossible to do, Jesus can get the job done. They said to Jesus, they said, our brother's dead. His name is Lazarus. He's dead. And Jesus said, well, you understand that I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And they must have knew something about that resurrection because they said, oh, sure, Jesus, he'll be resurrected someday. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. I believe he not only wept because of his grief, I believe he wept because of their unbelief. And he says, ladies, roll the stone back. And here's what he said. He's been dead four days. You don't understand. All hope is gone. According to their tradition, and they believe that that fourth day, after that third day and third night, that the flesh would begin to corrupt. And it was beyond the point of possibility to be raised from the dead and to recover. But aren't you glad tonight we serve a God that deals in impossible works. And I'm looking at some people tonight that it may seem like for your marriage to be restored, it seems impossible. For your young people to come back to God, it may seem impossible. For you to get out of the financial trouble that you're in, it looks like it's impossible. For you to possibly serve God one day with your life, it seems impossible. For you to get right with God and to be used of him again and to be sanctified by him again and to be, be a golden cup in the Lord's hand again, it seems impossible. But I am so glad and grateful there is a God that when all hope seems gone, he is able to raise dead things. The song we sing about Jairus' daughter says, why trouble the master when all hope is gone? Why trouble the master when all hope is past? Why trouble the master? Why even ask? 
And he said, he said, I've seen compassion in his loving eyes, and I know that he makes dead things rise. What in your life right now are you facing a situation that seems like, it just seems like it's absolutely impossible? Can I tell you, faith receives the impossible. Think about Abraham and Sarah. You understand it's impossible for a hundred-year-old man to father a child. You understand it's impossible for a 90-year-old woman to give birth to a child. And by the way, the Bible never said she was only 90 when she bore a child. It said she was 90 when God came to them. Said you're going to be. And a matter of fact, preacher, to make it seem even more impossible, God said she had passed the time of women. That's impossible. And she staggered at the promise of God, the Bible says. She began to laugh. But I'm going to tell you right now, there was some point in her life where she had a revival of faith and said, you know what? It may seem like it's impossible. And I laughed at God, but I want to make it right. And I'm putting my faith back into the God of impossibilities. You understand it's impossible to cross Red Seas. You understand that, right? Not only did they cross the Red Sea, They walked across on dry ground. They didn't just wade through it with their wader boots on and their fishing gear on. The Bible says they went through sandals and they walked across on dry ground. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, that is impossible. Yet God made it happen. Because God deals in impossibility. You understand it's impossible to defeat an army of over 100,000 men with 300 men. Y'all understand that, right? God came to Gideon. He said, Gideon, you got a good army here. He said, everybody that, that uh, tell everybody that wants to go home to mama or to wifey, he said, tell them to go home. And Gideon, I'm sure, said, hey, we got these trained troops here. I mean, we've got a solid army here. And all of a sudden, 20,000, 3,000 or more say, we'll see you later. Then God comes to him again and he says, God, okay, this is going to be a stretch now. They've got 100,000 troops. We got 10,000, okay, 10 to 1. All right, our guys are pretty good. And God says, no, you got too many. Excuse me? (laughs) I'd have been cleaning out my ears and saying, what did you say? I've got too many. Yeah, you got too many. Go Go down there and tell them. And the ones that drink like a soldier ought to drink, that don't get down on their face, but they're still observing. He said, you, you keep those in a good pile and you keep those in a bad pile. And 7,000, literally 9,700 of them go by and not a one of them drank like they're supposed to. And if you were Gideon, you'd look like the preacher tonight because you and I would have pulled out all of our hair. God, what do you mean? It's impossible for us to defeat this army. The Bible says, get it, get it. God gave him some, he said, get it. He gets some lamps with some pitchers in them. Get some lamps, get some pitchers in them, light them up. And then he said this, he said, divide the 300 men into three companies. It just got smaller. And he said, watch me. He said, when I break these lamps, he said, sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And you know what God did? He did something impossible. He began to turn the Philistines on each other. And the Bible says he sent confusion amongst them, and they began slaughtering each other, and Gideon and 300 men defeated the entire Philistine army. Why? Because God deals in impossibilities. 
can't tell you how many a time with the devil where, where man has said, well, that's impossible. God says, oh, oh, really? Ideal and impossibilities. Well, you may never have, I can't tell you how many times I've heard God, uh, a doctor say, well, you're not going to be able to have children. We had testimonies even this week. Now, this, I don't understand why God does all that he does, but I can tell you this, mankind cannot stop the God of impossible. But they say, I'll never get cured of this cancer, and you might never, but I can tell you this, the God of heaven deals with impossible situations. Do you have enough faith to get on your knees and to believe God to do something that mankind looks at as impossible? You know, it's impossible for a Jewish man whose wife has gone to be a prostitute to receive, for him to receive her back. And yet in the book of Hosea, we have the most beautiful story of the grace of God. That's impossible. I don't know if I'd do that. But God deals with putting back together impossible situations. See, faith sees the invisible. Faith believes the impossible. And faith receives the incredible. Faith receives the incredible. One little boy one day said, all I have is a little lunch here. But I believe God could use this little lunch. I believe he could use it. It's not much, it's just five loaves and two fishes. But I believe he might be able to use my little lunch. The Bible says that after it was all said and done, not only did he have his little lunch, 5,000 people were fed, and he he got home with 12 baskets full. He got sent home with that. Why? Because he just simply had faith enough to say, here's my little bitty lunch. God, you do with it what you want to do with it. And I'm looking at young people and elder saints in this room today All God wants from you is for you to take your little bitty lunch of your life. Say, God, use it. God, use this little lunch. I don't have much faith, God, but I have faith enough to put my life into your hands and say, God, you multiply my life. You get glory, but bring glory unto yourself. There were two men that were burned at the stake. One's name was Huss and one's name was Latimer. And they burned these two men at the stake for preaching the gospel in the nation of England. And during the time, I believe it was in the time of Bloody Mary's reign, could have been a little before after that. And they said these words, today you will light a fire that will be seen around the world. And hundreds of years later, we are still bringing the Lord glory for these two men that said, all I have is a little bitty lunch of a life, but I want you to use it, oh God. There was a 14-year-old boy who came barefoot into church, and he didn't think he had much to offer the Lord. He didn't think he had anything to offer God. His name was Lee. There was a Sunday school teacher named Miss Daisy Hawes that told that little country boy that didn't even wear shoes to church that Jesus loved him. He told him how to be saved. And that little boy grew up to build the great Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
averaging 7,500 every Sunday, 1,000 missionaries sent out from his church. And how did that happen? Because a little boy named Lee met Jesus one day, and he said, I'm not much, but he said, Jesus, if you can just use my little lunch, and by faith, he gave his life to God, and he received the most incredible blessings of people being saved and missionaries sent around the world. There was a man by the name of Ford Porter, and he prayed one day that God would give him a worldwide ministry, but he wasn't a famous preacher. He wasn't a famous singer. He's just a pastor of a little church, and he said, he just said, I just love the, the Lord, and he said, Lord, I want to make an impact for you, and he wrote a gospel track called God's Simple Plan of Salvation that has been translated in over 100 languages today. What happened with him? All he said was, God, I want to see the incredible. By, by faith, I'm giving you my lunch. There was a woman that by faith fed a man of God one day named Elijah. And the Bible said that she had her cruise of oil and she said, I've got a little bit left and I don't have much. And maybe here tonight you don't think you have got much. Maybe you're a senior saint. You say, I don't have much left. I'm just going to feed my son and I'm, him and I are going to die after this because we don't, we don't have much time left. Can I tell you this? If you'll just give it to God. He'll multiply that thing. He'll give you so much. And every day you come back, there'll be a little bit more. And, and listen, that's incredible. That's unbelievable. That's impossible. But if you and I will give ourselves and our lives and our time and talent to God, we will receive incredible things in our life. You understand the woman with the issue of blood. Think of the faith of this. There were many people healed in the scriptures who Jesus put his hands on. Many of them. He touched the man with a withered hand. He touched the man with blinded eyes. But think of the faith that that woman with the issue of blood had. She, she said in her heart, he doesn't even have to touch me. We don't even have to have physical contact with each other. If I can just touch a part of his clothes, I'll be healed. What faith. Jesus, you don't even have to, to receive my incredible. She had gone from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor trying to get her problem solved. But then she met a man one day who was a great physician. And she said, by faith, all I have to do is just simply touch him and he'll heal me. And she was healed of her issue of blood. Why? Because when you believe in God, you will see incredible things happen in your life. Think of the 10 lepers. The Bible says he never even touched them. He just simply said, go on your way and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. What faith. Brother Allen, what do you want us to do tonight? Here's what I want you to do. I'm praying for God to increase your faith tonight. What do you need him for that you have not trusted him for? What have you been even praying for but you've not trusted him for? A friend of mine, he was, he was at the airport and a man had driven him to the airport and 
He's known as a great man of prayer. He has influenced my life probably in my walk with God more than any single person on this planet. And he was chatting with the man before he dropped off at the airport, but he left his coat inside of the man's car and he was going somewhere where it was going to be pretty cold. And he had walked inside of the airport and the man had driven off. And he said, oh no. He said, I left my coat in there. I'm going to need it where I'm going. And right in that airport, and he's known to do it, he said, Father, I pray right now that you would put it on that man's heart to look in the backseat of that car and to look and see my coat is there and to bring it back to me right now in Jesus' name. Then he walked out of the airport again and he stood at the curb. And the luggage people there said, sir, he said, you're already in there. He said, what are you waiting for? He said, "Uh, my coat's coming back here. They said, oh, you left it in there. They said, did you call him? He said, no, I don't have a cell phone. They said, well, how do you know he's coming back? He said, well, we got the same daddy and I just talked to him. And I believe my daddy's able to tap him on the shoulder and tell him my coat is in there. Two minutes later, a car pulled up. He said, Brother Williams, you left your coat in the back of the car. He said, something just told me to look in the back of the car. And I saw your coat was back there. You see, faith receives the incredible. But let me ask you this. You might have prayed that prayer. Would you have went out to the curb and wait on the answer? We, we, the obedience part is the prayer part. But I found that even when we pray, we are not willing to step out by faith on the edge of nothing and say, God, you are able. Because I know if I don't have faith, it is impossible to please you. Because if I'm going to have faith, I must first believe that you are. And you are a rewarder for those that diligently seek you. By faith one day, I prayed and I said, God, my son was born with bronchitis. By faith, I prayed one night at an altar and I said, God, could you touch him? Could you heal him? My son has never, never, ever had another breathing problem again from that night forward. Never. I was praying on my knees one night by faith. It was me and Brother Darius Coates in our, from our church. And we were down, so we used to have Aaron and her ministry where we would pray underneath the pulpit in a room underneath there while the preacher was preaching. And for some reason, we, we began to pray for a young lady who had not been in our church in six months. And we said, oh God, could you bring her back to church? Oh God, I don't know why you're putting her on our hearts, but God, could you bring her back into church? She had not been in six months. And they tapped on the door and let us know the church service was ending. We got up and walked upstairs and there were pictures just like your church is. You could look through and see the people. We looked through and sitting on the back row of the church, she was sitting there. I talked to her after church and I said, hey, what happened? She said, I don't know what happened. She said, I was down the street two blocks at my grandmother's house and she says something in my heart just told me to go to church that night. Do you have faith enough? to see the invisible, believe the impossible, and receive the incredible. I don't know why God had me preach this message tonight, but I believe he did.
because I believe God wants some people in this room tonight to step out by faith and begin to trust God like you've never trusted him before. You know, the Bible says we ought to pray that he will increase our faith. We understand that every one of us is given a measure of faith. I understand that. Every one of us has the ability to have saving faith in here tonight. And there are some people we know that one of the spiritual graces and gifts of God is in an extraordinary amount of faith. But I believe every one of us in here tonight can increase the faith that God has given us. For some of us, preacher, I don't know. For some of them, God's been calling them maybe into ministry. And you've been saying, but what about, and what if I, and what if God doesn't? Now, we won't say that. But our lack of faith, did you read that verse? We must believe that he is able. What I'm doing right now, I I left a job. I, I would have been, these fellows can tell you, I would have been, for the rest of my life, I would have been taken care of at Faith Baptist Church. For the rest of my life, I was assistant pastor of the church, pastor's direct assistant, a lot of the administrative things, a lot of the work of the church. I was a sewing director. I was a music director. I was a choir director. I was a song leader in the church, played piano for groups in the church, and, and he still allowed me to preach outside already. I could have said, you know what, God, I'm very comfortable where I am right now. But God began to deal with my heart and saying, listen, I know you're comfortable with your pay. I know you're comfortable in your home. I know you're comfortable with your lifestyle. I know, I know you're comfortable with everything you're doing right now, but I need you to step out by faith. And can I tell you this? Every time we take a step out by faith, God just provides. He shows up. We see incredible things happen in our lives Man, if I were to, I could stand here for the next two hours and talk to you about what God has done just this week in our lives. I was a little discouraged this week. I was in Tennessee and just, it was just getting so busy and you'll just get bogged down sometimes. And a preacher friend of mine called me and he said, hey, he said, man, let me tell you what God's been doing at the church. Let me tell you, he said, remember that guy that got saved while you in the middle of your song? He said, he just told me the other day, he said, he's coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. He said, he said, he said, he came to me, he said, pastor, if we had church every night of the year, I'd be there. And I got to walking on the clouds. And then not only did he stop at that, he said, brother, he said, anytime you need a place to preach, if you're not preaching on a Sunday night, he said, you just drive over here. It's two and a half hours. He said, you drive over here. We'll see, we'll give you a love offering. God will use you, man. And he said, I just want to call to encourage you. Why? Because by faith, we stepped out and said, God, I'm receiving incredible things. I told you about the story to get here. I told my wife, you pray. I need to get there. All my flights to Detroit, they're booked. And I said, Lord, you got to get me here. And by faith, I knew the Lord wanted me to get here. I didn't know how he was going to get me here, but I knew those flights to Detroit didn't matter. It didn't matter. And for some of you, you really don't understand that. You really don't understand the fact that, listen, God is going to do it. God put it on your heart to have us here, and they were already here. And so if God put it on a man of God's heart, it's, listen, it's going to happen. And I walked up to the ticket counter. I said, all these flights are booked. I said, can you get me to Toronto? They said, sure, we can get you to Toronto. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to pay two, $300. 
She said, go over to the service desk. We'll redirect you and everything else. I walk over there and they said, yeah, it's going to cost you $9.57. Change you from a domestic to an international flight and you pay $10? I know what you're saying in your heart. That's impossible. That's incredible. God so graciously gave our church half a million dollars. We were in the middle of a building process. They said, you, we, we're not going to build anymore until you give us more money. The bank said, we're not going to give you any more money until you build some more. But see, our pastor, what, what happened was he started praying. And when he started praying, he said, God, I want you to do this in a way that you get the glory, not me and not this church. And so we, for three years, you know the glory we had? We had a hole in the ground and the largest pool in Wisconsin <laughs> from rain and snow. And a lot of people said, man, this seems incredible. This seems impossible. Hey, you guys look stupid right now. Hey, you're, man, look how ridiculous you guys look. You got a hole in the ground for three years. But our pastor said, uh, God, God led us. Because we already had some Ebenezers in our lives. See, he had given us the last building. By faith, we said we want to buy this building. We didn't have a dime in the bank. God gave us that building. See, we had some Ebenezers that hither by thy help I've come. So it didn't seem impossible when God said, and we said, man, I don't know what we're going to do. We got a hole in the ground. We'll build a swimming pool and raise the funds, I guess. And God burdened the heart of a man who helps build churches. And they called us right before Thanksgiving one year and they said, hey, we've got $394,000. The other's coming in the mail. Just tell us when you need it. I know what you're saying. That seems impossible. It just seems impossible. And by the way, when you step out in your life and sometimes when you give your life to God, young people, people are going to look at you and say, man, that looks stupid. All you have is a hole in the ground right now. What do you mean God's going to touch you? You're going through chemotherapy right now. What do you mean God's in your life? Your church is having problems right now. What do you mean you're going to add something, add, add another bus route or add some soul winning times? People aren't supporting the ones you have right now. But I'm going to tell you right now, if the God of heaven moves on your soul and he tells you to get out of the boat and begin to walk on water, you might as well, hey, get your running shoes on because you're going to walk on water. I'm asking for some people tonight to hit the old-fashioned altar and whatever you, whether you've been doubting God some of you right now, you, I, I guarantee you there's things in your mind right now you're thinking, but that's impossible. Yes. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We had a man in our church, I just, and he, he would say this because of some things that he did in the war in Vietnam. He would say, I don't think God can save me. And you may have dealt with people like that. I just done these things. I don't believe God could ever save me. And he had lunch with the preacher and he said, can God say, I love this verse. The Bible says where sin does abound, grace does much more. You know what abound means? To exist in great quantities. Here's what the Bible's saying. Wherever sin exists in a great quantity, grace exists in a greater quantity. Wherever sin exists in a great quantity, where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. Right. What was he saying? It is impossible to overcome the grace of God. Amen. 
It's impossible. Yeah, I know. But God specializes in the impossible. If you will take that prayer and you will take that faith, you'll say, okay, Lord. We put our kids in a Christian school by faith. I say, God, I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm on a preacher's salary, an assistant pastor's salary. I don't know how we're going to do it. And my family got on our knees and said, God, you're going to have to provide a way. And we need $500, Lord, right now. And we don't have it. We walked into Wednesday night church and the secretary called me over. Hey, Brother Allen, come here for a minute. He said, he said somebody, it was after church. He said, he said somebody, she said, somebody, somebody just gave me $500 to put on your school bill. I called down the hallway. I said, mama, to my wife. I said, Kim, come here. I said, Aaron, get over here. Dylan, get over here. Bring Jaden with you. And we went into Brother Jeff's classroom that's right next to our secretary's office in our church. I said, hey, we're going to get on our knees right now. And they're looking at me like, what? I said, we're going to get on our knees right now. I said, y'all remember this morning we were praying about that $500? I said, God's already answered the $500. So we're going to get on our knees right now after church. And I know we may look embarrassing to everybody else, but we're just going to thank God for a while that we stepped out by faith and said, he's able. And he did what he said he was able to do. I was asking the Lord to confirm. I know we've been long. I'm sorry tonight. I apologize for that. Y'all are doing so well. By faith, we were stepping out into evangelism, and, and I was, uh, to be honest with you, I got scared. I was like Peter, man. I started sinking a little bit. I thought, man, what did I just do? And I prayed, and I said, Lord, I said, God, I know you called me to this. I said, December, I said, December is a month where people don't use evangelists. Christmas time's coming up, special offering. They don't want to do that kind of stuff. But I said, God, if you could just get me a meeting in December, I'll know it's you. If you'll just get me a meeting in December, I had nothing in December. Less than eight hours later, I got a Facebook message that said, hey, Brother Allen, we'd like you to come and preach our team banquet on December 12th. Yeah, I know that seems crazy, but to those of us that have stepped out by faith before, doesn't seem crazy at all. I've seen, I've seen God do things in my personal life, I see, we saw God, there was a man in our church, he was a medical doctor, he was having heart attacks, he was on bus ride, he was having heart attacks, many heart attacks, he didn't know it. And he was praying for something specific, we had no idea what he was praying for, we were just praying for God to heal him and touch him, and raise him up. What God did was this, those little blood vessels that feed to your heart, there's something called collaterals. They are when your blood vessels that are not blocked begin to grow blood vessels, capillaries to the one that is blocked and they begin to supply your heart. We had no idea how to even pray. We just said, God, we trust you enough to heal Doc. Amen. God stepped in in an incredible way. What am I saying? Whether it's your life some of you need to step out tonight by faith and say, God, I've been doubting you. You can take care of us. Whether it's your finances. Well, God, I don't know how I can tithe. You don't think God can take care of you? He owns the cattle on the thousand hills, the wealth in every mind. 
You don't think he can financially take care of you? Well, I don't understand how we can give to missions. You don't think God can take care of you? I guarantee you there's people in this room right now that could testify that when you began giving to the Lord that he doubled, tripled, quadrupled your business. And you don't think God's going to take care of you? Whether it's your giving, whether it's your living, can I tell you this? Just receive it. We told that man today, I'm done with this. We told that man today who got in the car, he was having, the preacher was having a little bit of a difficult time and he was just, you know, kind of giving, and I've, I told him I dealt with Catholics so much, I, I, can, I can help him with this. And I said, you know what? You got in this van by faith. You didn't know where we were going to take you. But by faith, you got into the van and said, I believe that pastor and all I got to do is trust him and where he's going to guide me and lead me. And I know I'm going to get where I'm supposed to be. Here's what I'm asking you tonight. Get in the van with God. Get in the van. Well, I don't know everywhere he's going to take me. I don't either. But the one who's got the wheel, hey, we can trust him. Amen. And he'll guide us all the way home. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. What's the Lord been dealing with you here about? You know, for some of you, you don't have saving faith yet. You don't know what it is to be saved by the grace of God. Can I tell you this? You cannot go to heaven without faith. It is the one element that you, you cannot, you can be repentant, but if you will not put your faith in Jesus Christ, your repentance is useless. There's a man by the name of Judas who repented, but he never got saved. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight say, Brother Allen, I've never even started my journey of faith. I've never placed my personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be my savior. I've never done that. Here's my hand now. I want to pray for you tonight. Here's my raised hand, Brother Allen. Right now, raise it up. I'll pray for you. I've never received Jesus Christ as my personal savior by faith in the son of God. That's me, Brother Allen. And I thought, you can, you can have faith to see miracles all you want to. If you're not saved and don't have saving faith, you, it's all for nothing. You've wasted your time. Anybody like that? Brother Allen, that's me. I need to receive Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Anybody like that? Here's my hand. Pray for me tonight. Here's my raised hand. Okay, by your own admission, we are born again believers in this room. What area of your life have you not been trusting him? I don't have a clue why he had me preach this message. I really don't. Maybe there's a pastor here that's been saying, you know what? I've been worried about taking this step of faith. God tonight spoke to me about that. And we're by faith, we're gonna move forward. Maybe there's a marriage that seems like, boy, it's impossible. And if God were to be able to put this back together, maybe there's a young person you've been praying for and it seems like all hope is gone. It seems like it's useless. But can I tell you, God is able some of you think, well, God could never use me again. Can I tell you, God is able to turn your life upside down and inside out and use you for his glory and make you walk on water. I pray whatever the Lord's done in your heart, I'm not asking for a raise of hands, but I am gonna ask you this. Will you by faith get up from where you are when the music begins to play? Others have already come. Others are already on their knees. Will you come and by faith, some of you need to surrender tonight. God's been calling you to preach. He's been calling you to be a missionary. He's been calling you to teach a Sunday school class. He's been calling you to service. Just by faith, surrender tonight. Would you stand with me?
Everyone standing in the building today, as Brother Jake begins to play, would you please do business with Almighty God? Say, God, here's my faith. You've got it. You've got it. We committed to pray last night. We need to commit to faith tonight. God, here I've been doubting you. Here's my faith, God. I'm stepping out by faith. I'm stepping out by faith. Say, if I come, somebody's going to think I don't have any faith. No, they're going to think you're trying to increase your faith. I'm trying to increase my faith. You know, the song says it's best if we trust and obey. Maybe we do not obey sometimes because we do not trust him to give us the results. Maybe you were here last night and God spoke to your heart, but maybe you didn't come on prayer. Maybe you ought to come tonight. I appreciate you, ma'am. Maybe you ought to come tonight and say, God, I'm committing to pray for my country, for my home, for my marriage, my kids. You believe the Lord? You believe he can do it again? I heard several people in here testify this week, and I'm not trying to get personal with you, but I heard several of you testify. I remember way back when, I remember way back when, and there's nothing wrong with reminiscing, but can I ask you this? Why are we talking about way back then and don't have faith to do it now? Or are we content with just saying, yeah, that used to happen. You know what you're saying? We used to trust God, but we don't, we, he can't do things like that anymore. Boy, remember that? When, boy, those buses, man, remember that? Do you have faith that God could use you again to do that? Boy, I remember, boy, I remember when this used to happen. I remember that. And then listen, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with reminiscing. I'm for that. But there is something wrong with us not taking the steps of faith that those people back there took and said, you know what? We need to start an independent Baptist church. We need this boy. We got to step out by faith. You know why my church exists? Because a handful of people said, we're going to start out by faith. That's why they call it Faith Baptist. We're going to step out by faith and start an independent Baptist church. And I'm living off their faith right now. But you know what? My kids probably won't live off their faith. I, be, I believe there, some, of the, some of the smallest ministries that I know numerically have had some of the greatest impacts, Pastor. I've often wondered, why is that? Maybe it's because they just say, we just believe God. We just believe God can do it. Well, I'm going to tell you, our nation's going down. Our nation's in trouble. Do you believe that God can turn around nations or what? We've seen them do it. We've seen them take pagan Nineveh and turn the thing upside down with a half a chapter worth of preaching. Just a few verses. You believe God when you trust him tonight, Pastor.